a great start for my voice. This is, oh, this is going great. It's a preview. <laughs> Man, yes. we are we are going to Vega, I'm I'm praying for you. I'm praying for your voice and I'm sure all the listeners will be as well as, as well. Cuz they have to listen to this. Um, no, no, it's a it is it really it's like that episode of Friends where Phoebe has um like her voice gets a little raspy because she's sick and then like she leans into it and she be like gets this whole like new like bar singer persona and it, <laughs> it works really well for her. <laughs> well, unfortunately, as we discovered yesterday when we watched 1776, singing is not a thing that I am yet able to do, but it'll come. That's why I keep telling myself it'll come. It will come. It will come. Yeah. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to kick back and do a little do a little podcasting because it has been my entire day has been emails, emails, mm. just emails. And it has been nerve wracking and it's been annoying. And don't let anybody tell you that. And I don't think anybody is telling anybody that the freelance art critic, YouTuber, educator, Instagrammer life is a uh, simple one. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> it is filled yeah. with a lot of, I am my own assistant. I am my own office manager. I am my own accountant. Um, even though my actual accountant would probably rather I am not. Um, <laughs> and um, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's much more than a full-time job. So yes. Yes, I, yeah. <laughs> I remember when I did tour directing as an independent contractor, mm-hmm. and there was a lot I really loved about it, but there were definitely a lot of days spent just, like, sending a million emails, yeah, reminding people that I existed yeah, while they it, made their schedules for the next season. You know, yeah, for, for now, at least, for the foreseeable future, for a very long time into the foreseeable future, I can't see living in any other way. I love, like, being able to determine what I, what projects I take on and what projects I don't take on. And um, I love not being at risk for, like, one day my boss comes to me and says, hey, do you want to, like, design an ad for this new weight loss drug? And I have to say, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Like, I, I I still wouldn't have it any other way for now. But yeah, these are the we, we kind of have to. It's kind of good to pack all the unglamorous stuff into like one day sometimes. Yeah. And so it's like, all right, this is the this is the day it is. And that was definitely today. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of begging people for money soon. And um, we're getting the ball rolling on that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm in the unglamorous part of the season too it's like yeah. this is the busiest month mm-hmm. um, especially in Philadelphia because we always have a lot of people here for the oh I just knocked a thing over um, a lot of people over here for the fourth of July yeah. so 
it's just busy. It's there was just extra like anxiety because Moms for Liberty was in town. Yeah, um, yeah. Was, they're a. Uh, if people don't know, you should look them up on the SPLC. Yes, that is the place to look them up. Absolutely. Uh huh. I believe they call them an extremist group on there. Yeah, they're really intense. They're really intense. They are not your average. I was gonna say turf, but turf would obviously not describe them at all. No, <laughs> they are. They are very um, Nazi esque. You could say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, at least in what is written down on their. Yeah documentation and yes, all of that so, uh, stuff. according to their words right <laughs> this is this is not a this is not a, a casual joe biden's a fascist or something like that no this is yeah. like they say they're fascists the workers say they're fascists as well yeah <laughs> yeah whatever individual members might say if you go to their website that's what's there so yep. <laughs> yep um it ended up not being that big of a thing but it just was like this added anxiety yeah, yeah. um so i didn't plan it this way but we're actually going to be talking about a religious extremist today. Oh, awesome. Oh, you know Yay. what? Yay. Fantastic. <laughs> On that, I guess this is your content warning, listeners. If you have, like, trauma around evangelical Christianity and things like that, this might not be, this might not be the uh, episode for you. Yeah. Unless you're in the mood. Um, yeah, but if you're not in the mood, consider this your your content warning. Yes, no, no offense taken. If you're like, I cannot today. Yeah, um, I'm sorry. my house is so noisy right now. I'm sorry. It's like the dog next door. Good. The dog yeah. next door is like having an existential crisis. Oh no. Um, <laughs> the dishwasher's running, which I know gets picked up by the mic. You might not be able to hear it, but I I will in editing later. Uh, um, <laughs> Yeah. But that's okay. We're we're yeah. here. We're going to make it happen. I have silenced the main noise in my house, which is Pikachu. He has quite the pair of lungs. Um, <laughs> so he got a very early dinner tonight. Yeah, <laughs> so my, that my he baby's has not got become a guest. Or two. Um, yeah. <laughs> the things we have to do, again, world of freelancing. Yeah. Sometimes you have to <laughs> feed your pets early. Yeah. <laughs> Do they have to but deal with it? But if people tell all their friends to listen to Delicious of History, I might be able to afford a better recording space. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, okay. So today we're going to be talking about Jack Chick. Okay. And yes, I came up with this a couple, it was like a month ago or something. I was in York, Pennsylvania, celebrating a friend of mine completing their conversion to Judaism. <gasps> Mazel tov to them. Yeah. Welcome. Um, Welcome, friend. And we stayed at a hotel. And in the elevator was a chick track, which is definitely something I have interacted with before. Mm -hmm. um, when I was like in college, I remember there were people who would sit outside the student center and they would like tape chick tracks to pop tarts. Oh my gosh. Don't ruin a perfectly good pop tart that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, we always had a good time reading them because uh, <laughs> most of my friends were Catholic, mm. and uh, as we will find out, Jack Chick was not a fan. N O T A Catholic. Yeah. What? Um, can you uh, tell me again? The, tell the tell tell those that that don't know what are these chick tracks? What are chick tracks? Because I believe I was handed one the other day. You probably were. Um, and 
Trick Track is like a um, what's the word? It's like calling face tissue Kleenex. Like there's more than oh, one okay. type out there. Got it. There is yeah. something clicky in your background. There might be nothing you can do about it. I think it's the rain. Oh, yep. Then there's. Does it sound like rain? It it could. Now that you say that, that yeah. sounds right. I so, unfortunately cannot stop it. That no. one I can't do. Have you not? <laughs> have you not gotten uh, your your Jewish weather no. control upgrade yet? No, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't. I'm still waiting for it. I'm still waiting for it. I will say on a charming note that the rain did come at the actual perfect time for the first time in my life. The I planted my I put my new plants in pots Ooh. and then immediately as I was finishing the last one it started getting rained on and I was like yeah party because that means I don't have to take them inside and and water them and stuff this is like the perfect time so I'm just watching them they look super cute and um yeah welcome welcome plant babies um so chick tracks are a brand of these little comic books that evangelical Christians will leave places or hand to you in an attempt to save your soul for Jesus or whatever. For sure. For sure. And they have a certain like style to them and a certain, I'm struggling to find the word, like sort of the, the they have a certain vibe to them. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And I think it also depends on where you are. So like I never interacted with these until I went to college in Ohio. And then I received quite a number of them. My wife used to get these in her Halloween bags when she goes uh-huh. treating in uh-huh. Georgia. So it's definitely when you're around that yeah. sort of brand of Christian. And they tend to have these really bizarre names. Like I just Googled like Chick Tract and I'm on their website. And it's stuff like uh where we go. The accidents, which is <laughs> When a priceless carpet is permanently stained, its owner learns that only Jesus's blood can remove the stain of sin. Now, we know, we all know that you cannot use blood to remove other blood. Yes. So, um, yeah, this is incorrect. <laughs> yes. Um, also, the one that asks the question, are Roman Catholics Christians? Oh no. So this is this is the vibe of the chick track. Yeah. And there's like a lot of offshoots of the chick track. Okay. Anybody who's worked in the service industry or any industry where you get tips is familiar with the fake dollar bill that is in fact yeah. a religious track. So he he's he's the person you get to thank for that. As we go through this info, I want to say that the information I found on him was not generally from sources that I loved. So just to give people an idea of where it's coming from, because uh, usually I'm fine just be like, it was good sources. Trust me. Um, (laughs) This time it's like, these are not good sources. So a lot of his life events were pulled from an L.A. mag obituary, which was the best source I found. So big props to L.A. mag because I was was struggling. Um, And another source that was really helpful, but I have some just questions about is ChristianComicsInternational.org. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Got some information from my normal places, like academic articles and books, especially The Age of Evangelism, America's Born Again Years by Stephen P. Miller for like the larger trends. Uh-huh. And weirdly, uh, the LA PBS affiliate, KCET, had a ton of really cool articles about right. like, evangelicism in Los Angeles. PBS always comes through for me recently. I shout out to PBS. I love you. 
Yeah. So, I really uh, do. <laughs> and I also, of course, got some of this from chick.com, Jack Chick's yeah. publishing company. And just to give you an idea of just the vibe. Okay. The first sentence of his authorized biography yeah. is Jack Chick was a real man. Oh. He always worked hard. He tried to do the responsible thing even before he became a Christian. Oh, he was, But he was still an unsaved man. For me to tell this part of the story, you need to know a little more about what Jack was like by his own admission before he was saved. Okay. Okay. This is where tell we're us. living today. That's where we are. <laughs> All right. All right. So he was born April 13th, 1924 in Los Angeles, California. Uh, he was artistic. Apparently, he performed poorly in early grade school because he spent so much time drawing airplanes instead of doing his work. <laughs> okay. He was also a theater kid. Oh, he, that that's that makes sense. Yep. This checks out. Okay. After high school, he received a scholarship to the Pasadena Playhouse School of Theater. And a lot of the sources from like evangelical sites and stuff made a lot of hay about the fact that he really loved to curse. Um, <laughs> okay. And just based and that, on, yeah, yeah, just based on like watching like fundy snark YouTube videos and like shiny happy people and stuff uh-huh. and just general existing. Um, you can't study American history without coming across evangelicals right. periodically. This seems to me to be like, there's got to be some bad thing that pushes you to the to be a Christian. Ah. Like you can't – your life before can't be good because uh, – You have to be saved from something. Right. Or so, kind of like in some 12-step groups. I know they're not all like this, but some 12-step groups, it's like you've got to have your rock bottom moment even uh. if you didn't. Even if you just woke up one day and said, you know what, I want to change this. Like they want you to have yeah. a rock bottom moment. Huh. Um, like, like I said, I know not every group's like that. Um, no, but I get the like, emails. <laughs> I mean, that, that totally just reminds me of like basically all of ton, a ton, a ton of like Christian influencers who talk about like their shameful sexual past. It's always like, you know, I had sex before this time or, you know, at the worst, the worst version of that being like talking about how they, you know, like had and it's like they were I'm trying to think of I'm, I'm thinking of like the the yeah they were assaulted or something you know they mm-hmm. were you know and then how that was like a part of their quote-unquote shameful past so they're like impure or something and like using yeah. that as like a content kind of thing yeah um to be like that's where I'm coming from and like you know I have to I and mean, it's just and so yeah I'm I that makes a lot of sense that and that focusing on cursing is like such a I mean it's such a benign one <laughs> Right. And I, yeah. I realized part of that is I grew up in New Jersey. Uh-huh. So, like, I grew up around a lot of cursing and it just yeah. doesn't seem important to me. Yeah. Um, my boss the other day actually gave me a hard hard time. I, I, I cursed in his office. I, I curse at work all the time when I'm not in front of guests. And he just goes, wait, you curse? And I was like <sighs> – Yes. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I curse. So do you. We all curse. We're we in all the do. <clears throat> We're in the tourism industry. It's stressful. We're cussing. Um, so apparently Jack Chick cursed a lot. Okay. Okay. He was enlisted or drafted. I found reference to both. Okay. 
but I tend to believe enlisted because that's what Los the LA mag said. And I just trust them more into the army and served in the Pacific theater in world war two. Okay. He came home, continued with the Pasadena playhouse during a production there. He met Lola Lynn Priddle, uh, who came up from a very religious family and they, you know, fell in love, got married, etc. Um, but he didn't get along with his in-laws because they were very religious and he was, I guess, an unabashed cursor. Uh-huh. Um, so before I go for- further with, with Jack, I want to pull back a little bit and give some some context of what was going on around Jack at okay. this time. Okay. Because I know for me, it was a surprise when I learned that Los Angeles is actually like the birthplace of American evangelicism. Huh. Because to me, Los Angeles is like very liberal, very yeah. like uh, lots of new religious movements, but like a lot yeah. of like, I don't know, we're carrying crystals around in our pockets and yeah. having which, vibes. I don't know. Like that's Which sort of is thing. like to – that being said, it also kind of makes sense because people do so much – like the way you're saying, like that people are doing so much like religious experimentation. Yes. And um, yeah. that can go so many different ways. Like that is like, I feel like that's like the epicenter of like Jewish Buddhism is in Los Angeles <laughs> or is like on the West Coast or like New Age Judaism is kind of like a ton of people in Los Angeles and West Coast in general. But also like New Age stuff, definitely – Lots to be said, basically, lots to be said about how so much New Age stuff is just repackaged Christianity yes. in <laughs> many, many ways, um, which is why I have a lot of qualms with people talking about how, like, all these people are leaving Christianity when it's easy to say, oh, I'm just not a Christian anymore, but you don't really get, ri- like, you people take all that stuff with them into other things. So anyway, it's a long form way yeah. of saying I am so interested to know about how evangelicalism came out of Los Angeles because that is something I did not know at all. Yes. And it's um, – I actually got my first, like, clue of this through um, – there's a podcast called Oh No, Ross and Carrie. And mm-hmm. they – both of the, both the hosts grew up in grew, – grew up Christian evangelical. Uh-huh. And one of them um, – and now they're not. And they go and try out different new religious groups and stuff. Like, they, like, join Scientology, like – the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. But the one of them grew up like outside Los Angeles in this like sort of bubble of evangelicism. Um, mm-hmm. which, when I first heard that, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I learned more. Mm. So at the turn of the 20th century, Los Angeles was predominantly white and Protestant. Okay. Uh, of course, of course, we're yes. talking about the American, the white American settlement yeah. that is Los Angeles. But it was uh, jokingly called Iowa by the Sea. Mm-hmm. But that started to change. In the 1920s and 30s, Mexican, Chinese, Japanese, Jewish, and black communities started bringing their various religious traditions with them and founding places of worship in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of reasons for this. There was a lot of economic upheaval, of course, in the 20s and 30s. California was supposed to be this, like, golden land of opportunity. How much that actually was is a whole area of study. Of course. <laughs> yep, yep. But that was the idea. That's like, you know, that's why everybody was leaving Oklahoma and going to going to California yeah. during the Great Depression and so forth. 
So all of this variety exposed the population to different ideas, making them more willing to hear new ideas, which is like, yeah. So it's exactly what you were saying about how Los Angeles is known for being very, I put spiritual with like little tilts on either yeah. side. Like, uh-huh. Spiritual. Ooh, yeah. With some stars and crystals and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So spiritual in that sort of like broader sense. Uh-huh. And it's out of this sort of soup of religious diversity, the evangelicism emerges. Yeah. And some historians argue that it is Los Angeles's most successful export, even more so than Hollywood. Uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that is pretty funny. Yeah. It probably shouldn't be funny, but it is a little bit funny. It's just it's, it's just a little surprising, I think, yeah. when one – knows more about like the current Los Angeles, which is not sort of a hotbed of evangelical Christianity. Not that I know of. Um, Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Not in the world. Yeah. Yeah, so there are two main forces that drove the emergence of evangelicism in Los Angeles. The first was the, and I might be pronouncing this wrong, the Azusa Street Revival from 1906 to 1913, that popularized Pentecostalism and the creation of the Bible Institute of Los Angeles in 1908. Uh Aha. So William J. Seymour arrived in Los Angeles in 1906. Julia Hutchins and a group of like-minded Baptists had invited Seymour after they had split with their local church over doctrine. And they believed in baptism of the Holy Spirit and emotionalism, like speaking in tongues and that stuff was basically, it wasn't just accepted, it was emphasized. Mm. They were called the Apostolic Faith Faith Mission. What was sort of interesting was at first these Pentecostal churches were racially integrated. Ah, oh, wow. Journalist Frank Bartleman wrote in his diary that through the revival, quote, the color line was washed away in the blood. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah. But as these things tend to do, they broke off into a bunch of different churches largely along color lines. Mm. But it just created this really, um, it was this really big movement of of what we now just see as really this Pentecostal, very dramatic sort of Christianity and this yeah. very like personal Christianity. It's also that that also brings this sort of idea of finding new and interesting ways of reaching out to new potential members Hmm. All right. I see where this is going. Yes. So (laughs) this is where we're going to bring Jack Chick back in because he gets pulled in by one of these sort of new interesting ideas of how to bring people in to the Pentecostal faith. Jack Chick and Lola Priddle, they get married in 1948. And on their honeymoon, they went to visit her family in Canada and they forced him to listen to the Charles E. Fuller radio show the old-fashioned revival hour oh and was apparently converted on the spot okay so charles e fuller was not the first radio evangelicist but he was like among the first like yeah there were like five of them or whatever yeah. um yeah. he was also based in los angeles and initially he was broadcasting just his church services on the radio but he was fired from his church because he was more focused on his radio audience than the in-person audience which uh-huh. is where he created the Old Fashioned Revival Hour, which was basically a church service. And I think it even like all the way like with altar calls and stuff. So this is like 
very common in this sort of style of worship is at the end, there's this like, who wants to dedicate themselves mm-hmm. to Jesus called an altar right. call. For and sure. it, I don't a hundred percent understand like, at, like when you can go do this uh-huh. because it seems like people do this more than once. Like, They'll go to like multiple things with altar calls and they'll like rededicate yeah. themselves to Jesus. Yeah, I, guess. I think, yeah, I think you can do it whenever you want. Yeah. I think this is one of those things that, like, because my first and most uh, intense sort of exposure to Christianity I had was Catholicism, where you, you do mm. that once and then you're done. Right. You did right. it and you absolutely do not do it again. I, I, I get the feeling that this. Radio Hour had some sort of thing like that, and uh, he decided he was yeah. he was converted. He was yeah. so dedicating his life to Jesus. I mean, I okay. So I guess you dedicating sometimes. I think I guess it's like a rededication, like uh, like, like I did something. Renew their vows, something. yeah. And they do like if you need to get saved. I think some people feel like they need to get saved multiple times or healed it and it really depends on the church i think um like yeah and it's you can so be a very like emotionally manipulative yeah thing and i say that like in a in a a neutral way because like you know i've been to i've been to jewish services that were very emotionally manipulative but it was to the purpose of being really excited about the end of yom kippur you know like (laughs) It's a whole thing. I mean, yeah, there's there. It depends. It probably depends a lot on the sect. Um, I mean, the 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 ones I'm obviously that are springing to mind, of course, are the more emotionally manipulative ones for sure. It's it's like, yeah, with yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. So uh, Jack Chick, he's converted and he goes back to Los Angeles and becomes disillusioned with the film industry because of their treatment of women. I could not figure out what exactly that treatment of women was that he was so offended by. Okay. Well, you know. There's plenty to choose from at that time. I mean. (laughs) There was plenty to choose from, for sure. For sure. He got a job as a technical illustrator at Astro Science Corporation. And he wanted to be a missionary. Like, he was ready. He's like, I've converted. I'm going to bring souls to Christ. Like, he was ready to go. Right. And his wife wouldn't let him be a missionary because – her aunt had seen someone's leg bit off by an alligator on a mission trip, which I only included <laughs> because it's such a wild story. That's so funny. <laughs> That's so good. I mean, sorry for that guy. It sounds like a really sorry bad that day. guy. But that is like there is something very funny about that. And for some reason, Jack Chick was petrified of public speaking, which I have a little bit of a hard time squaring with the fact that he was an actor. I don't know if it's one of those things where it's like he was okay like with – scripts that he had been given or if something changed Hmm. for him Uh, but nonetheless public speaking was out okay and that's what most people did to spread the word they you know stand on a street corner or whatever and right tell people about it but then he learned something he learned about the chinese communist party's use of comics to spread their message and was inspired yeah this wow there is some twists and turns here so Okay. I was like, what is this? So I had to like do quite a bit of research that involved actually going to like that. There's a Facebook group called uh, PDFs 
for people without institutional access or something. Yeah, it's a great, great group. Wonderful. Yeah, group. I ended up having yeah. to go there. Usually I don't have to because the Free Library of Philadelphia has JSTOR. So if anybody doesn't know this, yeah. if you have a library card, probably anywhere, but definitely in Philadelphia, yeah. you have access to JSTOR and a lot of other things, but I did not have access to what I needed. Uh, so big, big ups to the people there. So there was a basically what what he was learning about because I was like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, there was a big turning point in genre in China around comics and art and so forth during the Japanese invasion of China during the Second Sino-Japanese War. So it's 1937, 1945. This was something that I know I didn't learn a lot about in high school. I didn't learn about it until I took no. a modern China class in yeah. college. And I learned I had to read uh, The Good Man of Nanjing, which I highly recommend to anyone who has not read or yeah. does not know very much about the Sino-Japanese War. It's a Oof. fascinating, fascinating yeah. book and a very – it is as emotionally raw to read up on the invasion of China during that time as it is to read up on the Holocaust. Like it's yeah. the same level. Um, yeah. It's yeah. – it's, roof um so at that time japan was dropping propaganda across northern china and chinese resistance groups started using the format to encourage resistance against japan ah all right and so this sort of tidbit kind of found its way over to jack chick and he was like i can do comics i like to draw let's Uh do it Uh uh-huh so he starts doodling comics and his first work which he self-published is called Why No Revival. Okay. And he published it with a loan from his credit union in 1961. And this tract uh, is geared predominantly towards other Christians. It's not really meant for the outside community. And it's basically just coming for the church and being like, here's all these things that are wrong with the church today. Okay. Wow, okay. The thunderstorm part just got to me. It's weird because I could hear the thunder on your oh, end, so and, it just, and it just it happened over just my house. It has just moved from South <laughs> Philly to West Philly because it left me. Yeah, I feel so, I hear a little yeah. thunder, but it's it's by you now. Yes. Yeah, so that, that was his first tract. He did that. Felt good. He was driving around, and he saw some – I wrote rebellious youths mostly for my own yeah. But he saw he saw some some teenagers being teenagers, which inspired him to draw his second work, which is not one of his more popular ones. Um, Why No Revival is still very popular. This one is not. Um, it's called A Demon's Nightmare. Huh. And it is about this kid who finds Jesus. And it's it's pretty it's pretty fantastic because it's like he's going around his world and there's actual literal like demons walking around saying things like you know, uh, just completely absurd things. Where oh, it? Like, like, like so looking to his mother, like, like the kid's praying and this demon is talking to his mom saying, mother, isn't that a disgusting scene? You know, like just very oh, unsubtle. That's unsettling. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, I've been, I've been looking in, is this, and is this directed toward children? Yes. I imagine. Yeah. Yes. And what, and this what one year, in particular what year is, is it? Uh, I think 62. Let me double okay. check. I don't have the a Demon's Nightmare listed, but it would be it would be between 61 and 64. Got it. So he he makes these two works and he gets the it gets the attention of his boss, the wherever it was, Astro Science Corporation. 
named George Otis. And he thought it was just great. He's like, this is this is fantastic. And so he bankrolls the printing of that work and then another one um, called, which was his big success. This is his like big break. 1964. Yeah. It's called This Was Your Life. Okay. And this is a funny – this one was interesting for me because weirdly I know this one because it's literally the first one of Jack Chick's tracks that was given to me. And oh. I remember it because I remember walking – you know, it's like you have these memories that are just very like yeah, visceral for no good reason sometimes. Um, I remember walking down the street with my friend in college who was raised Catholic and – there was there's this scene where where the the protagonist is looking around a wall at like a sexy lady and going like ooh nice and my friend thought that was like a really absurd way of <laughs> demonstrating that and there's also a part where he's sitting in church thinking about how much of a waste of time being in church was to which both of us thought was absurd because like he's a grown up like if I mean he that's that really just a waste of time then why Don't is go. he there yeah, yeah. <laughs> like just don't go. It's also funny to think about how this is like in the era kind of, I guess, of like psychedelics and yes. comics also. Just like comics are probably getting pretty big around this time. What is the word? I'm, who is the? Okay, so it, it's probably a decade later or so, but there's a, oh my gosh, there's a famous comic strip artist Oh, it's going to come to me. God damn it. I had like a smart thing to say, but I don't anymore. So maybe it'll come back. Maybe it'll come back. Crumb. Um, oh. Crumb, artist. When did he, when did he, Robert Crumb, when did he uh, alive? When was he alive? He was born in 1943. And um, so a little younger, but like. He's a little younger, but okay. But definitely in the same like. I imagine he, they're coming out of like a. He, this is an era where there's like a mm-hmm. lot of psychedelic shit, a lot of comic shit. It's not surprising that yes, it's conservative, but so were a lot of hippies. And oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and, so there was a whole class of hippies yeah. that like left the whole like Woodstock thing and started like Christian cult commune things. Yeah. Like there's a Checks out. whole variety of those. Yeah, these early works they established a template which was sin, damnation, and then sometimes, but not always, the possibility of redemption. Got it. And I was immediately reminded of something that I studied in college called the medieval morality play. So we're going to play a game. We're going to play a game. Okay. Okay. I'm going to read you a quote from a uh, chick track and a quote from a medieval morality play. Okay. And I want you to see if you can tell which one's which. Oh, gosh. Okay. All right. (laughs) So here's the first one. Okay. Mm. Whoremonger, hater of God, whisperer, theft, lies, disobedient to parents, false accuser, pride, unmerciful, backbiter, envy, deceit, hypocrisy. Why didn't someone warn me about all this? (laughs) For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. What can I say? I'm lost without hope, without Christ. I'm guilty, guilty. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall, that shall he also reap. Open the book of life. His name does not appear, Lord. 
Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. So that's okay. that's example right, one. That's number one. Okay. Okay. Here's number two. All right. Ye hearers, take it of worth old and young, and forsake pride, for he deceiveth you in the end. And remember, beauty, five wits, strength, and discretion, they all at last do every man forsake. For his good deeds, there doth he take. But beware, and they may be small, before God he hath no help at all. None excuse, none excuse may be there for every man. Alas, how shall he do then? For after mercy amends, no man make, and uh, for mercy and pity do him forsake. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so my mind immediately goes to the second one being medieval, and the first one being our friend Jack Chick. You're you're right. Um, I think okay. the, the big okay. giveaway on the second one is that it's in rhyming couplets. Um, uh, and Jack Chick did not uh, did not no. pursue. Yeah. I don't know what yes. pursuit is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the second one is from a medieval morality play called Every Man. Okay. Which follows a very similar plot to this particular chick track. This was your life. Um, Cause this was your life. The, the protagonist dies and he goes to wherever to be judged. And he finds out, he, he sees all these things that he's done that are bad, like be lustful or hate sitting in church or whatever. Yeah. And that happens. And the, you know, God is like, Okay, you're going to hell. Sorry, yeah. have a nice life. And in every man, it's the same thing. Like every man goes around and uh, interacts with all of these like personifications of the deadly sins. Whoa. And at the end, he goes to hell. And oh my it's gosh. A bad time. Um, yeah. And it's really like, and I, I purposely picked like two sections that had basically the same message of like, yeah. It's the you same. Sinned, you're going. Yeah, out. <laughs> yeah. It, it's very the same, except no rhyming couplets. Like that's that's the difference. So Jack Chick keeps on making comics in his kitchen. Um, I don't okay. know why that was an important thing, but that shows up a lot that he was doing it at his kitchen table. Okay. And All right. He was finally able to self finance Chick publications in 1970. So yeah. they're selling enough of these things to yeah. be, you know, liquid or whatever. That same year, Billy Graham held his Honor America Day to, to support Richard Nixon and explicitly married the idea of God and country. Mm. So the rally, this is Billy Graham's rally, was keeping alive the push to bring God into government, which was sort of started in the 1950s with like the Red Scare and so forth, which was did things like added in God we trust onto money. Yeah. And ooh, um, ooh, under God ooh. to the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, oh. And also in face of court decisions restricting school-sponsored prayer in public schools, which is, if anybody wants to look it up, uh, Engel v. Vitale, which is 1962. Yes. So this basically said, this is the thing, this is the court decision that said, kids can pray in school, but it cannot be led by a teacher. Huh. Okay. Which, so why yeah. would, okay, but like why would they... I almost feel like it's confusing because it's like on the one hand, 
all this God stuff is being introduced and it's obviously like a pretty Christian God. And on the other hand, they're not praying in school. So what is Right, that's that the point. Mean? So they're upset. They're upset about the not praying in school. Oh. So it's sort of like what we're oh, seeing. Okay. It's sort okay, of like okay, what we're okay. seeing now where yeah. for a while there was a lot of a lot of things that were like good for queer kids. Yeah. Um, in schools and then there's been we are now living through this this moment of backlash. It was like Yeah. I see. That makes yes. sense. Yeah. This is also this isn't <laughs> actually important to Jack Chick, but I thought it was interesting. I thought you would also find it personally interesting. Uh-huh, uh-huh, this uh-huh. is where we start getting the concept of Judeo-Christian tradition. Ooh. Oy. Which was an attempt to reach like religious consensus creating the silent majority. And this is sort of like bringing Jews into the into uh, the fold of religion in America and whiteness and white Mm. Jews, obviously, Mm -hmm. Um, and so forth, which has nothing to do with Jack Chick, but I just find it personally interesting. It's interesting. No, that's fascinating. And there's also a lot of worry among mainline Protestants because their numbers are shrinking and conservative churches are growing. Yeah. Which is also this thing that that you were talking about earlier that's been kind of bouncing around TikTok. Yeah. Of this report that came out saying yeah. that Christianity is – the numbers are going down. But when you actually look at where those numbers are going down, they're going down in liberal churches. And they yeah. are either staying the same or going up in hyper-conservative churches. Yeah. It's really bugging me. Next time somebody tells you – it's my PSA. Next time somebody tells you – that they're really excited because everybody's leaving the Christian church. You can tell them, A, there is no such thing as the Christian church because Christian sects are literally so different from them that we literally fight wars that are ongoing today that have never ended. Like people kill each other over this shit constantly. And oh, yeah. number two, they're, on, a less, on a more practical note, there's no reason to celebrate because I don't know about the numbers in evangelical churches. I'm pretty sure they're not growing as astronomically as they were a few years no. ago. And that but they're not good. losing those um, people. But they're though. certainly not losing those people. They're, th- that is, if that is going down, it is like really, really, really gradual. Um, it is not a huge swath of people leaving the evangelical church. There are a lot of people leaving mainline, Protestant, low-key, sometimes Catholic, just like UCC, just like super low key churches. And they are all spending more time in nature, apparently, according to one New York Times reader who answered a survey. So any, anyway, on, the, on, on a less practical, but more general note, um, it's it, every time you say that, like publicly, that you are celebrating the downfall of Christianity, you kind of like give ammunition to alt-right Christian groups. Like they thrive yep. on that stuff. Like they thrive on it. Like that is their whole reason for being is, oh my gosh, somebody doesn't like us, blah, 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 blah. But when you take this more nuanced approach and you say, you guys suck for all of these reasons, but not just because you're Christian, you suck because you're misogynist, rapist homophobic transphobic genocidal assholes that's that's how to attack it don't don't you know i mean like other otherwise you're not you're gonna it's all gonna fire right back on you so yeah that's my major psa (laughs) and also Um, recognizing that like once people are in that bubble it's is truly a bubble i have had this i have had a conversation over and over with people i interact with in the world that i'm happy to have 
to have this conversation yeah. over and over about what exactly – I don't want to get too far into the weeds, but what exactly yeah. gender-affirming care is for a child. Mm-hmm. So not somebody who's like 16, 17, 18 for like a 10-year-old. Like what is mm-hmm. gender-affirming care? And there's a – because there's a lot of misinformation out there. And what I was finding people were saying to me was that like they didn't really – care one way or the other like about you know people who want to be one gender or the other you know for trans people or whatever um i'm trying to i'm trying to like to to rewrite the quotes that are in my head because as you might imagine in these conversations it's not the way we say things um (laughs) but yeah yeah um the but there's concern about children not being developmentally able to make permanent decisions Mm -hmm. and I will explain to them that nobody is doing that um and then the like 100% of the time the walk away is oh okay yeah yeah yeah, you your gender affirming care is calling a kid by their preferred name and preferred pronouns and letting them wear the clothes they want right okay whatever like yeah great there's Uh, this idea yeah, yeah there's this idea that like as a whole, there's like 70% of this country or like 60% of this country is just immune to facts and they're like immune to these types of things, which is not necessarily true. A lot of people just no. have the wrong facts or literally yes. just don't know trans people or they don't know Jews. Or they don't know like, you know, you know, like there's a lot like that does not go for every oppressed group. Like most people like have enough facts to say that racism or slavery is bad or something like that. But a lot of people, but when it comes to like very small minority groups, like trans folks and Jews, like for things like that, like a lot of the time they really just don't have the facts. Like they've never met a Jew in their life <laughs> or like. And if like, and, and yeah. to be clear, like people from those marginalized identities, if you don't have the energy to have those conversations, you do not have to. You don't have um, to. No. But if you are in a position to be able to have that conversation it's important yeah some of us will do it uh all the time ben will do it ben will go out of his way to find 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 people and then... i listen i've i've traveled through the deep south with ben and you i will never will never forget never forget the moment when somebody spilled a bunch of change on the ground oh, and he this made is his favorite juju. thing to do it's his yeah. favorite thing to do he and does it here like, too and I was he like, ben, Philly too. ben, we are in like <laughs> rural Alabama, sir. <laughs> um, but uh, so he thinks to it's bring so, it back. He thinks it is so <laughs> funny. And I'm like, you know what? If I if I beat on him too hard for this, then I am depriving a Jew of his joy. So yes. <laughs> I, I, just, I don't want to let him have this. And if you give him a chance to talk, he does have like a reason he does it. And there's, yeah, there's, yeah. there's, has, there's cracks to it and so forth. Yep, but, yep. Um, but like, and all this actually does kind of relate because this is all about like Good. this bubble. And well, yeah. because here's the thing is a lot of us laugh at these chick tracks. Yeah. Um, you get this chick track and you're like, this is so weird. Yeah. And a lot of it is like when you're inside the bubble, you don't necessarily know how like other people react to things. Yeah. And Jack Trick is solidly in the bubble. Yeah. I This is so funny because I literally – I just lost my last like, little details that I literally got one of these like – last week for the first time this has not happened to me before and now we're we're here and i'm like 
this is fascinating because I had no idea. I was like, this is weird. Do you know which <laughs> like one it was, was or did you just chuck it? Oh, I chucked it. I, I mean, chucked that's what it. I wasn't in too. the I wasn't in the mood. I wasn't in the mood. That's there, real. <laughs> there are other days. There are other days where I would have been like fascinating. But but you know, you know, and then there are oh, days yeah. where like somebody comes up to me and they're really aggressive and I'll be like, I'm Jewish, thank you. Um and that but most times I'll just like kind of take it and move on. And uh, Yeah, working in tourism, that. trust me, I have yeah. a <laughs> a lot of stories along those lines. Um, yeah. There's also – so around this time, this is 1971, there's a also just in general a lot of interest in Jesus in popular culture. Mm. So this is uh, 1971, Jesus Christ Superstar starts its run. There is – we talked about this a little bit before, these sort of like hippie-esque like street preacher types. They're called the Jesus Movement okay. in Southern California. Mm-hmm. And there's also a lot of celebrity converts to Christianity at this time. Oh, all right. Uh, 1972, Jack Chick hires another artist. He's a black artist named Fred Carter. To And his job is to do full-sized, full-color comic books. But his name was kept off of the comic books for a long time. But people oh. knew there was somebody else there because he's a way better artist than Jack Chick. <laughs> <laughs> and I mentioned that he's black because it does come in later okay, as an important sure. piece. At this point, it doesn't actually matter very much one way or the other. And so, so what you're saying is that he was not doing this for representation. Uh, no, he he's a true believer. <laughs> and diversity. <laughs> he's he's what? Yeah, and, and Fred Fred Carter's a true believer. Like he's yeah. he's yeah. on board. Oh, I mean you have to be. You have to yeah. be. Yeah. So people like noticed that there was somebody else drawing these, but um didn't know who sure. it was. They were kind of curious. Sure. Uh because as you might imagine, there's a little bit of a cult following with these things. Yeah. And so up to this point, things are going really well for for Chick Tracks. They're being carried in a lot of like Christian bookstores and things like that. But the 1980s roll around and things start to change. Okay. Christian bookstores are getting uncomfortable with carrying the comics and a lot of them stopped carrying them. And there's a bunch of reasons Why? for this. One yeah. is there's some people who thought, well, okay, Jack Chick, when he was asked about this, why – Christian bookstores weren't carrying his his comics anymore. He said it was because they thought that talking about the gospel in comic form was sacrilegious. And I'm sure somebody said that to him at some point, because that sounds on brand. However, in addition, his comics present a very specific view on Christianity, mm. one that is anti-Catholic and anti-Semitic. Mm. And <laughs> that mm-hmm. was just not playing well for places like the Christian Booksellers Association, uh, who don't, at least not in that sort of uh, very obvious way, peddle in those things. Mm. Um, we can have an argument about whether they peddle sure. those things or not, but certainly but, not in these yeah. like really obvious ways. Yeah. He also published a series of conspiracy of books that were based on the conspiracy theories of Alberto Riviera. That were explicitly anti-Catholic. I don't know if you know this guy. He's no. uh, interesting. Um, yeah. I didn't know him before either. So Riviera claimed to be a former Catholic priest who had left Catholicism to speak out about the church's supposed plans for world domination, as well as its involvement in the Holocaust and the Jonestown Massacre and the rise of communism. Wait, the Catholic Church? Yeah. Oh, haha. That's, yeah. yeah. Oop. Well. Yep. Like, you well, know. That was somebody mm. else's fault. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he also publicly supported the ministry of Tony Alamo, who I'm not going to go into, but he is bad news bears. Somebody commented on my video the other day that the Catholic Church was involved in the Holocaust. And let me just say that I maybe there are things that happened that I do not know the full extent of, but Catholics were like super oppressed during the Holocaust. So uh, I don't know about the Catholic Church itself, The but I don't think that this sounds like it's not as, correct. That's as I saying. understand it, as I understand it, and this is based on like, how it's presented at like Holocaust Museum in DC. Yeah. Um, my understanding is it's more of a like kind of like the United States where it was like they just didn't do anything. Right. It's not like they came in and saved everybody. Like they were not like the super good guys, but it was about like United States level of like they were not like we don't involved. actually like they didn't actually care very much. No. Um, but they weren't like coming up with the ideas. Yeah. Um, but it should people should know that like Catholic churches, like you could not go to church anymore as a Catholic. Oh, the there's there's so, a reason why um in southern Germany there was like a lot of like anti Nazi sentiment, and it was because everybody down there is Catholic. Yeah, weird times. So yeah, that's a there's conspiracy theories that are still very rampant about like yeah, the Catholic Church was not out there collecting Jews for the Nazis. No. Um, no. There's other things. but They were doing um, really other <laughs> really bad things at that time, uh, which yes, we can definitely but that's just not, on. that's just not. But it wasn't that. Right. Um, <laughs> that wasn't one of them. And yeah. also, like, with communism, like, during the rise of communism, as it were, like, they were really explicitly, like, not in favor of that. Oh, um, yeah. They but, would not be. Yeah, and so Tony Alamo, he also, this guy, this Riviera guy, like, was hanging out with, uh, oh, no, I'm sorry, Jack Chick also supported Tony Alamo. Tony Alamo is an L.A.-based cult leader. He's in prison um, for felony child abuse and theft of his late wife's corpse. So, not a good guy. Right. Man, that's a lot. Yes. He that also made a comic that was an anti-witchcraft comic called Spellbounds that were based on the allegations of, quote, former Grand Druid, end quote, Johnny Todd, who claimed that okay. Satanists throughout the United States were routinely engaging in human sacrifice, which was not <laughs> a thing that was not, happening. Not um, a thing. Not a thing. This, so this was a sat satanic panic. This satanic is, panic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, as you might imagine, just lots of homophobia, Islamophobia, anti-Hindu sentiment, just all that stuff. So in the yeah. 80s, this is there's this backlash within Christianity that's like, we're not, we're not doing this. Right. Um, so a lot of a lot of churches that were not specifically in this like ex extreme space moved away right. from from chick publications. It's also around that time that chick publications well, actually, I don't know if it was around that time. I couldn't figure out when this happened. The SPLC considers Chick Publications a hate group. Word. Which I didn't know until I did this research. Yeah. Um, I agree. SPLC but, has such a wonderful website. Yeah. I mean, wonderful in that you will not have fun there. Um, no, but very. <laughs> very but you will find out important things and you'll say, wow, so many more people are kind of Nazi-ish than I thought is what you're going to yes. say. Yeah. 1990s Jack Chick becomes something of a recluse. Like he's getting attacked a lot for being in favor of these being people kind of who are dick. are completely bananas. Yeah, and so he becomes something of a recluse. 
In 2006, Chick Publications had Fred Carter. Remember him? Uh, I do. He was the good I artist. Uh-huh. Yeah, Chick Publications had Fred Carter write comics specifically for the black community with black characters that were literally just like redos of old stuff. Wow. And they are interesting. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> In 2014, a movie was made of the tract Dark Dungeons, which decries the evils of D&D as well as tarot cards and homosexuality. We're still doing that? We're still well, doing the hang D&D's on. evil thing? Okay. Hang on. The people making the movie were making fun of the tract. Okay. But they got permission from Chick Publications to do it because they didn't change any of the language they, and they faithfully represented what was in the tract. So even though they were doing it as like, let's laugh at this, Chick Chup Publications still gave them like their the legal blessing for oh them gosh. to distribute. So it's like, kind of like a Book of Mormon sort of situation? Even more so than that. It's more like yeah. it's – I think it was – I think this is just shows that bubble we're talking about, right? So mm. Chick Publications, I think in their mind is like, okay, so whatever these oh. people think they are doing – if you genuinely believe that what you wrote in that tract is yeah. going to bring people into, you know, a relationship with Jesus or whatever, right. then the fact that these people were doing it as a joke doesn't matter because they did exactly what was on the page. Oh, bizarre. Um, and 20, yeah, 2016, Jack Chick died. Okay. But is. Yep. His work remains popular. Um, it's been translated into numerous languages as handed out across the world. Mark Knoll and Christian Nystrom in Christianity Today, in writing about Jack Chick, wrote that, and I, I wanted to quote them because this is not a very nice quote, and I want to be clear that they said it and not me. Um, yep. They said that Jack Chick represented the world of ordinary non-learned evangelicals. Huh which I think is one of those things where it's like, I see what you're saying. I think that that is a way of not bringing people in to the conversation because you're calling yeah. them stupid. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 That's not, hel- that's not like helpful. No. Um, but they've <laughs> that's not helpful. In a, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. First of all, they're easy reads. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can read one in like a minute if you are a good reader. They are super cheap if you – Or free. Well, yeah, well, I mean, if you're an evangelical who's purchasing these to give out. Ah. So, like, if you are want to buy them not in bulk – so, like, when I say not in bulk, I mean, like, get, like, 10 of them or something. Okay, right. It's 21 cents per wow. comic. And if you get them in bulk, which is, like, in the hundreds or thousands, um, they go down to 11 cents per. Wow. Wow. And they speak really directly about some of the cons- the Christian right's greatest concerns. So these yeah. are very, very dramatically speaking out a- a- against, like, gay people and yeah. uh, religions that are not Christianity, like, in, you know, peeding upon the schools. Like, I, I when I opened up Chick Track just now, like, at the beginning to kind of give you an example, just on the landing page – they're advertising one that's called Allah Had No Son. Oy. So, like, these okay. very much speak to the fears of people who are in the Christian right. Yeah. 
So like I said before, it's popular to hand these out as a quote-unquote tip to service <laughs> workers given out at Halloween instead of candy, put in elevators. They, they have like a little guide of where you should leave these things. Wow. In bathrooms and things like that. It's inspired a lot of copycats. Tip, so, your, yeah. tip your service workers. Don't give them right-wing Christian fundamentalist cartoons. This Just is why – I always tip a little more. <laughs> I usually a little tip more a little more. Yeah. To make up for the person who's going to give them yeah. a yeah. tip track. Yeah. Um, yeah. You never know when it will happen. You never know. Comics are also just such a good way of imparting information. It is. I realized I have been amassing a collection of nonfiction, historical, graphic novels without trying they have just been I have just been coming they have been coming to me and I have one I have the Berlin one I have one about economic mm-hmm. history it's like slightly marxist economic history which is really fun I just got Star Trek George Takei's graphic novel about when he and his family were in Oh yeah He also did a musical about it The not the graphic novel is great it's so good. I would love yeah. to see the musical. But um, I haven't seen fantastic. it, but I have the album. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, obviously, I have Persepolis, which I forgot is even in this category. I have Kent State. It just was delivered to the wrong address, so I don't have it. But it's down, it's down the street at a doctor's office. So I have to go and pick it up. It's been like three months. They're like, why do I still have this weird fucking uh, graphic novel? Um, because it is graphic. That's a graphic one when it puts the graphic and graphic novel. Well, yeah. And um, and I mean, like you said, it's like a really good way of imparting information. It's part of yeah. why, like, I think some of these Back to Moms for Liberty we were talking to you at the beginning. Yeah. Um, I think one of the books that some of the groups are trying to ban is Mouse. Yeah. Um, which, if yeah. people are not familiar, is a graphic <sighs> novel about the Holocaust, but it's like mice instead of people. Yeah. And it's yeah. like literally it's- the, the artist's like father, grandfather, somebody in his family's story. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And yeah, and Ben has that one at home. And I've, I reread it in eighth grade, like a lot of kids do. And I actually is, have not not read it. <laughs> oh, it's it's I mean, you'll have criticisms of it. Like you'll of uh, like like any book in the world. But but like to ban it is a straight up act of Holocaust denial. Like there yes. is nothing. There's literally no other. Um, well, I mean, other, they're also trying yeah. to ban like the diary of Anne Frank. Uh, yeah, so, so it's Holocaust denial. Yeah, no. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah, there's literally nothing else to it. It is, and people who deny the Holocaust usually want the Holocaust to happen. So again, yeah, so and that is that is what it, it is. It speaks. <laughs> it speaks to the power of these yeah. sort of simple ways of giving out information. This is something I'm really passionate about because I consider myself a public historian, and this is mm-hmm. essentially what I do. Right? Like I take these very complex topics. And I condense them into a hopefully entertaining yeah. bite-sized – I mean, th- this is a longer form that we do with the podcast. But, like, yeah. when I'm doing tours, like, I'm taking these, like, big ideas and making them a five-minute yeah. shtick, you know? Yeah. And it it's I, – I, I personally think – I really feel the, the pressure to – to get it right. Do that well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. That is important to me. Because it, 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 you make choices yeah. when you do that, whether yeah. you like it or not. And 
and that's what these things are doing. And yeah. it's um, we're living through a time. Yeah. And this is a time that's been in the works since. I mean, I brought us back to you the early 1900s in Los Angeles, yeah. but that's where a lot of this started. Yeah. And it, the, the Jack Chick got this idea from the Chinese Communist Party. It's, which is which, fascinating. Which I is mean, something made, that he was not and in they favor got, of. And I guess they got the idea they got it from, from the Japanese, Japanese invaders. invaders, which is crazy. Right. So which makes sense nothing. because – right, I don't actually – don't let me don't let me sp- tail, do a, a little tail off spinoff. But if I may, um, if I were going to, what I would say is that comics as we know it originated – kind of basically in japan um or near there with hokkaido block prints but i don't i would take out the hokkaido part because i don't know but a lot of <laughs> never mind. you can take all of this out <laughs> but because i have to but a lot of jap comics as we know it were inspired by japanese block prints yeah um, so i don't know and, anything about that but what i was what i was gonna yeah. say was that we can use this too uh, yeah. We being, you know, and, forces of good. I'm going to go and, ahead and uh, put And some of us, some of us do. I actually have, yeah. I I think I've, I've mentioned to my followers, but I forgot if I, you know, it's in general, I have, um, I have the German edition of the Antifa comic book. The English yes. edition was supposed to arrive today. It was supposed to arrive at 2.15 and then I reloaded the USPS and then it's at 3.35 and then I reloaded at 3.35 and now it says unknown, but it's out for delivery and I want it so bad. I want it to be in my possession. <laughs> so, I, so I do have the Antifa comic book coming soon. And when it does come, I will be sharing a lot of it with everybody, which I'm very excited about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think this is also like we can use a we can use this stuff. And I also think this is why it's important to have conversations because if people are getting these um, if, if people are getting their information from this sort of space. Yeah. Then I mean, we need to give them information that is correct because, yeah. you know, the, the most people don't want to be hateful most people yeah don't most people just want to live their lives and want other people to live their lives and if they're being fed stuff like this that tells them that there's something they need to be really scared of they'll be really scared because I can tell you like just even as a really intellectually curious person sometimes my life is busy and I'll see a TikTok about something that will get me upset and I don't have the time and energy to do any real research around it. And because of what I do, I'm able to recognize like, okay, so I'm not going to repeat this. But that's just because of my profession. Right, (laughs) Um, right. It's no no slam on people who don't realize that. And that's what all this basically is. That's what chick tracks are. And that's – a lot of what we're seeing. And so if you have a platform, it's really important to, um, if, if you're able to like, you know, bring this, the, the correct information out and, um, make it digestible by your audience. And same goes for like, I mean, the easiest thing to do is always to look for the cited source. Like, did they, have they brought up a piece of historical information? And if so, did they cite their source? And, that's already the easiest way. And then like, if you need to, you can follow that. If you want to, you know, extra credits, follow that source and determine if it's in 
um, a, a, a reliable piece of media. You know, a quick and dirty way, though, is to see if people cite a source at all, because usually the people that cite sources gen not that's not always true. But like it is a it's a large difference from people that don't so, so, cite them at all. You know, that's advanced placement if you want to go into and determine if you think that if you think that the data is being mined and, and analyzed in the accurate way. Um, often it is not. But like when people don't cite their sources at all, um, you you can't believe what they're there's no way to believe what they're saying. Yeah. Or if they don't <laughs> there's say literally it, no if way you, if you follow yeah. up with them and say, hey, where is your source? Yeah. They say, oh, it's this, <laughs> you know, right, right exactly. <laughs> so sometimes the, people so, are lazy. Yeah, um, sometimes but, people are like, yeah. it's not your fault. But like, basically, this goes for comic books. You know, like, they're very, like, a comic book as a way of as comic as imparting information is incredibly attractive. And there's a lot of reasons why people are just more given to understand, to, to, to going into it or to falling into it. And propaganda posters are similar. And then this, but the most infographics, common, but the, yeah, infographics are the most common way that we see this today, like Instagram infographics that are just really prettily designed, like they better be citing their sources. <laughs> like they, you, they have to cite their sources too. Do, and I mean, yeah. And then people, someone brought that up the other day, like why don't documentaries have to cite their sources? And like, honestly, great fucking question because a lot of them yes. don't. Um, yeah and, you and a lot of them do yeah. and yeah sometimes just the way documentary site source is a little different but looking at at it i mean but like if you're watching yes. the history channel and they're just talking out of their ass sometimes like they do these days yes. or like sometimes netflix puts out like idiotic biopics that well look up look up who they're talking to yeah like a lot of times documentaries have the like have the expert yeah um who is that person right yeah, if you're watching Ancient Aliens, um, uh-huh. definitely don't believe. Or 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 um, the what was the one? Bible Code. Um, that's oh, that's a, that's a trip. Oh, but Ancient Civilizations is the is the recent one. Um, yes, I don't know. Yes. I don't know. That's I not have the topic a, of conversation anymore. I interviewed. But, uh, I interviewed a tour guide who one of the things I ask in my interviews is, "Tell me about something you're passionate about." Yeah. Because I want people who are passionate about things. Like they could be, it could be anything. And he went on this tirade about ancient civilizations. And I was like, you are hired, sir. As he should. (laughs) Yeah, that that shit was so messed up. That was so messed up. The fact that Netflix published that. Like, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so it's crazy. And to close it up, I guess if people have interest, I can on social media or whatever, mm-hmm. um, talk a little bit about the ways in which I have these conversations with people um, that have been effective. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to leave people with like, you should do something but not how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's – the most important thing we can be doing right now is connecting to people. I think so too. Um, and – that's the thing that has gotten us out of this mess before and it's the only thing that's going to get us out of it this time yeah so if you are into if you have the energy for connecting with people and it a lot of the time is takes less energy and emotional labor than you think um yeah sometimes it's just sitting down and talking to somebody and not even about the thing that is hard to talk about um it's just building relationships 
and that's it. And showing each other that we're human beings, which is so cheesy, but true. <laughs> but it's, it's true. true. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> um, so if you're into that stuff, you know, and you want to learn more about it, talk to Faga, talk to me. Follow us at Art in a Democracy because we talk about this yes. a lot. There's a lot of people out there doing this work really well. Is Hope is not lost. <laughs> no, you know? hope is not lost. Yeah. We're That's important. We're also, as a best. historian, as a historian, like, we've been here before. Yeah. Um, That yeah. doesn't mean that it's a foregone conclusion. We'll get out of it. Right. But it's possible. Yeah. And, you know, keep, keep your chin up. Take care of yourself. Drink water. Yeah. Drink water. Have an take orange. Naps. If you can. Yeah. Oranges really make me happy. I don't know. I've just it's and yeah. If there's there's, there's nothing wrong yeah. if you're feeling overwhelmed to just like watch a comfort show. Like absolutely, it's, we're we're gonna we just gotta we just gotta keep remembering that we're all humans together. Yeah. I just and, started community again, you know, yeah. as I do every couple months, because sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, stay safe out there, friends. Yes. Um, we'll be back. Oh, I guess I need to do my the shtick, huh? Yeah, I, you have a fan, you have like spending. a fancy closing, like a podcast. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for listening to D-Listers of History. If you enjoyed yourself, be sure to subscribe and drop us a review on whatever platform you listen on. A huge thank you to April Keys for the use of the song "Misfit" from her album Mountain View. You can find her on all the various social media platforms. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Delicious of History, no hyphens. A big shout out to the folks supporting us on Patreon. If you want to support us and get access to exclusive content, stickers, my rantings, whatever, uh, become a patron of this program. Yay. All this and more can be found on our website, delistersofhistory.com. Again, no hyphens. And we've got a couple of really exciting like episodes coming up yeah. in this next month. We have a lot of like really cool guests coming yes, we up. Do. So get ready for some interesting, interesting content, I would hope. <laughs> Someday I'm going to remember all the things I need to say while in the recording session, but this past recording session was not that day. Our episodes come out on the first and third Mondays of every month, so the next episode will be coming out on August 7th, which is the day before my birthday. So the birthday gift to me you can give me is telling all your friends all about this podcast. There's going to be a special guest on that episode. I'm really excited about it, so be sure to tune in. Okay, and now for an episode-relevant audio drop. How are each of you working to fructify the Dark One? Report! Astrology and tarot card sales are pulling more and more young people into the Dark One's domain. World politics are steadily progressing toward our one-world government, naturally with our agents in place. I am excited to announce that this year more people have decided to be homosexuals than ever before in history. Role-playing games are the perfect gateway to embracing Satan and have spread far and wide across the land.